Hello, and welcome to The Making Of, a Natio podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Wilson-Hunt, and with me today from National Geographic's short-form documentary series, Impact with Gal Gadot, is host and executive producer, Gal Gadot, and series director, Vanessa Rock. First joining me is Gal Gadot. Thank you so much for being here. It's so nice to have you join us amidst a very crazy schedule, I know. And I have to say the show is so beautiful. I saw the first four episodes and it's really just exactly what I think a lot of us needed to see right now. So thank you for that. Of course. Thank you for watching and taking the time. Of course. And I wanted to know, you know, with everything you have going on in your other life as a performer, as a movie star, what attracted you to want to be part of this? And how did it feed something inside of you that felt nourishing? Well, for the longest time, Yaron and I, Yaron is my husband and we work together. For the longest time, we were looking for a project that will bring some positivity and goodness and inspiration to the world. You know, after the success of Wonder Woman and fame and whatever, I felt like I had such a broad reach to so many people and it felt like a miss not to do anything with that. So we were actively looking for something that could fit that. And the connections that you have with fans, which are so beautiful to see, you know, let's not ignore the fact that a lot of this is for young girls. Right. And a lot of the connections you've made with fans are for young girls who for the first time see this person on screen who is a hero. So how much of what you wanted to do was about empowering young girls Not to say boys can't be empowered too. That's the thing. I'm never only about the girls. Okay. I think that, you know, in the conversation that we always have about feminism, like, of course we should empower women. And of course I'm a feminist and I'm all about equal pay, equal opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we can't just do it by ourselves. You gotta, like the world is made out of both (laughs) sex. That is true. That is true. (laughs) And we gotta empower the girls, but we also have to educate the boys. And I think that it's as important for the boys to witness that there are amazing women out there that are smart and capable and independent and strong and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As much as it's important for girls to see people older, but like them doing these incredible things. Yes. So it kind of works both ways. So we met with Ryan Polota, who did a short film about this amazing ballerina from Brazil. And we completely fell in love with the story, with her, with her determination, with her leadership, with... Like she talks, she speaks like a young version of Maya Angelou in Portuguese. She's just incredible and she blew our minds. And then we said, this is perfect. This is perfect. We should just build a concept around that and have and create short docus about women that has impact in their communities. Hmm. I kind of always wanted to show the connectivities between human being, like how we all affect each other. Right. People all over the world, we all have a lot in common. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because, you know, when we started, we had one story in the Middle East, one story in in Europe, one in Asia, one, like literally we wanted to go to all the different continents in the world and show how essentially people are all suffering from similar issues and what can we do to help. And then COVID started. 
So we had to go back to the sketch board and we decided to do it domestically. So March of last year, which is when all of us were facing giant question marks. Tell me about those conversations that you had with your husband and your collaborators about, oh my God, what are we going to do now? Were you stressed out about that? I was challenged. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> word. I like, I like that being word. Challenged. Because uh-huh. it was either we're going to wait until COVID ends and we were like, who knows what's going to happen? Right. Or we're going to shoot it very thinly with, you know, not all of us are going to go to production, very few people, COVID protocols, et cetera, et cetera. But I actually felt like we have an opportunity to show issues in like a real life problem that the globe is suffering from. Right. We're all very vulnerable during that time. Exactly. And also I felt like, wow, now more than ever, I want to see these stories. I want to see what they do. So this was very selfish on your part. You wanted to see these shows. I wanted to see. I'm a selfish person. Let's go during COVID and shoot the thing. No, but I thought it's a good opportunity and it felt very relevant to do it during COVID. Well, it was very heartening to see in the episodes that I was able to watch everyone wearing masks and all the precautions that clearly everyone was taking, which is so beautiful. And I, and I want to talk a little bit about the ice skating episode. Cameron, mm-hmm. who is an right. ice skating instructor for young black girls in Detroit, she said something that for me embodies what impact means. And I want to know how you feel as well. She said that she's giving the girls something that they can hopefully give someone else. Right. So it's this idea of you don't know how to do it unless you've experienced it. So tell me a little bit about how you have seen that play out in all these episodes, the power of someone giving you the gift of inspiration and then passing it on. It's exactly, it's exactly it. I'm a big, big believer in the ripple effect. Yes, right. And I think that once you're inspired by someone, you always have this small person inside of you that want to inspire others, want to have that power on people. And I think that it's not only that, it's also about giving people a chance. I don't know if you got to see the episode about Kayla. Yes, I did. The woman in Memphis. Mm -hmm. Transgender. Yeah. And she's talking in the episode. She's saying when she hit rock bottom and she was, she was a black transgender homeless and she had one person to give her an opportunity to believe in her. That's all she needed. And that saved her oh, life. So powerful. So powerful. And now she's in the position where she gives out this, these opportunities. For me, my dream for the show is that it becomes like a community of people right. that want to do good. And because I know for myself and many, you know, friends and family and all of that, we all want to make a change. We all want to make the world better. We all want to help. Right. But don't you think it can be so overwhelming because it's so big? That's the thing. Don't you think we have to get very specific? That's the problem. Right. Exactly. That's the problem. We all want to do something to better the world. But then where do you start? What do you do? Right. The thing is, you just start small and then you have the ripple effect starts and then things evolve and then things happen. I'd like to know who was a person in your life when you were young 
who impacted you that made you want to give back? This is before you were the woman we know you to be now. This is when you were just a kid, you know, living your life, going to school. Was there someone who really stuck out to you as being that first person? I think that my grandfather, being a Holocaust survivor, uh, who lost his entire family in Auschwitz and came to Israel and, you know, started from nothing as an orphan. Wow. He didn't have an inch, a bone of hate or anger. He was all about love and healing the world and he, like bringing people together. And I think that he, he had a, a tremendous effect on, on my, in my life. Wow. That's an amazing early role model for facing adversity, but not letting it control you. Right. Exactly. And one to do the exact opposite. And being able to move on. That's amazing. Now, there are a lot of moments in the series that are very hard to watch because you can see these people struggling so much. Was there a specific scene that you saw when it was done uh, just as a viewer that moved you where you thought, wow, this is exactly the type of emotion I hope every person feels when they're watching this? First of all, I, I experienced it, this type of moment in every episode. Yeah. But I think that the strongest one for me was when uh, Twani, the ballerina from the favelas in Brazil, was talking to three or four of her dancers, ballerinas, and she just, you know, super organically, naturally, kind of nonchalant, like it was very spontaneous, but what she said there was every time I watch this episode and we get to that moment, I get tears into my eyes because it's so powerful. Mm. Just to see how she gives them tools and how she really empowers them and how she really believes in them. And she makes themselves believe in themselves because she believes in them. Wow. You know, there's something so powerful about that moment. But in each episode, there's a good one. It's probably very hard to choose. Yeah. I have a feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it reminds me of another moment in the ice skating episode. There's that young woman. I guess she's still a girl, but she seems like she's about 50 years old. The poet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Olivia. She is so precocious and so smart. Our Amanda Gorman. (laughs) Yes, she exactly. She's Amanda Gorman in training. But she talked about just the simple thing about how she didn't like her hair yeah. before she became part of the organization. And then when she got there and she saw, oh, I am beautiful. Just that little slice of self-esteem right. and how that propped her up. And not to feel different, not to feel like you're not as good. Right. To feel belong. And what we see in the show, too, is the power of that sense of belonging which I think so many young people are just starving for. And all it takes is someone just to say, you're great, you belong, you're talented, right? And to be like her, you know, especially with ice skating. It's such a white dominant type of sport. Right. So the fact that Cameron kind of opened the door to this type of sport to all these amazing young girls is amazing. I'm a big believer that if you can see it, you believe it, and then you can dream it, and then you can become it. And I think that Cameron serves as an amazing role model for that. She is amazing. I wanted her to be my teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) She's so wonderful and so gracious and just so lovely. So finally, 
you know, the hope is that when people watch the show, they do feel motivated in their own communities, however small, maybe it's just in a church setting, at school, it's in your little neighborhood. If they do want to help, is there a resource that we can point them to that will help them sort of narrow down their options? Yes, of course. First of all, they can go to the website impactwithgalgadot.film. Okay, great. And they can go visit this website and find all the information that can help them contribute, help. And also, I just hope that the show will ignite in people the will to do something and and help. Because as much as it's great for the community, going back to being selfish again, it makes you feel so good about yourself. It's true. It does bring joy, right? So I hope people will watch the show and enjoy it and hopefully will be inspired and act. And one last question. If you did have time in your crazy busy schedule to undertake teaching or some activity like this, what would you want to do? I'm so curious because you're a woman of so many talents and skills, but do you have something like teaching ice skating or helping, you know, build houses? Is there, is there something? I was a dancer for 12 years. I would probably go and do something with that. What kind of dance? I started with ballet and then uh, switched to uh, modern jazz. (laughs) I love it. So you have your soft shoes and your tap shoes, right? Exactly. (laughs) Well, maybe when your schedule slows down a bit, you can pursue that. (laughs) I would love that. And then we can also go to Cameron and take some uh, ice skating together. (laughs) The Nat Geo Olympics, we'll call it. (laughs) Exactly. Done. Well, thank you so much for your time. And really, thank you for taking the time to make this show, which I think is so important for people to see and really just gives us hope at a time when I think we really need it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Lovely speaking to you. Joining me now is Impact Series Director, Vanessa Roth. Congrats, Vanessa. I absolutely adore the series. I watched the first four episodes and they are just exactly what my soul needed right now. So thank you so much for undertaking this and also just telling these stories. And we will talk a little bit more about the exact stories that you executed. But for me, the most compelling piece to talk about is how did you find these women? How did you select these subjects out of the millions of people in the world? It's very overwhelming. What was your process? Yeah. And I think actually the point you just brought up right away, the millions of people in the world, there are so many, obviously more stories to tell. This is just the little tiniest tip of the iceberg. iceberg. (laughs) We had first actually thought of this, you know, as an international series. And so we had begun searching really the world and we used, which is actually very fitting with this being a digital short series, is that we really used digital media a lot. Like we went to Instagram accounts. We went to different places where we saw photographs from people and coverage of things. We went to different social media accounts and then also organizations and foundations around the world. And then it was because of COVID that we really shifted our sites to more domestic stories for the season. Okay. I wondered about how much work you had done before COVID hit and then how you had to sort of recalibrate your plan. What my hope is that we still get to do the amazing stories that we have found around the world, because that's the idea of this series is this global feeling and this connection that we all have. But what I thought was really sort of this unexpected gift of the fact that we did shift to more domestic stories was this idea that I think a lot of times we do think of 
people being impacted by their environment or the society or discrimination or any kind of internal thing as being something maybe somewhere else or other. And I think what was so nice about this to me was really understanding how much is going on just in your own backyard and understanding the idea of impact in such a, I don't know, just a wider, bigger way. And also, I think we're so used to seeing, if we watch the news every day, negative impact. Yeah. So why not flip it and actually talk about positive impact? And that's what I think is so powerful about these stories is it's sadly not stuff that we see on the local news every day. It just isn't the type of, quote unquote, infotainment that, you know, a lot of outlets invest in. Yeah. And even a lot of times we'll see that negative impact. And what we really wanted to do was to say, yes, there are so many things that are negatively impacting all of us. And what the series is about is turning that negative impact, turning that prism to the place where, so what do we do about it? What can we do about it? And I think these women, that's what they're showing us. The next chapter after, like you said, local news focuses on the negative and what we want to show is actually there's all, there are all these narratives and diverse narratives and incredible narratives and real lives that things happen after that crisis. Absolutely. And using crisis as a healing mechanism for themselves, but also for their communities as well. So it's sort of without that crisis, you know, maybe there isn't that healing. And I think that's what's so special about these stories. And I would love to talk a little bit about just the Puerto Rico episode with Ariana, who's this, what, 17 or 18-year-old young woman who's just so incredible. (laughs) And I'd love to talk about, first of all, how you shot that episode, because even though it is part of the U.S., not domestic U.S., not on land, it is part of the U.S., but just the zooming and the pre-production and all of that that had to go into telling her story, which for our listeners, she's created a water filtration system for people who've been impacted by the terrible calamities that they have undergone the last few years and many of whom still do not have drinking water. So tell me a little bit about how you coordinated with her in advance and what that was like to execute shooting-wise. Yeah, this was a really interesting, challenging time to obviously be making any kind of content. And I've come to see it actually as this sort of precious time that we had to document this moment. Because the women in the series, they didn't stop what they were doing because of COVID. They made things safe and actually expanded what they were doing because of COVID. So their initial impact to the communities actually like widened because of what was needed. So for Ariana, the way that we shot that is before we knew we were going down there, we obviously had a lot of figuring out to do about travel and what was allowed or what wasn't allowed, what she was comfortable with, what the communities were comfortable with filming because we had to make sure we kept super, super small crews, like really only the most necessary people on the ground. So, yeah, we did a lot of Zoom video chats with local producers that we hired down there. We also made sure to always have local crews everywhere we were, aside from our main team. Ryan, who shot that and co-directed the Puerto Rico episode with me, he went down in person. But beforehand, we worked with the local producers on Zoom all the time, figuring out the schedule, figuring out everything, looking at the locations by phone and what's a lot of WhatsApp, a lot of sending pictures back and forth, videos where people would use their phone to show locations for us to figure out locations we were going to go. And what point during the pandemic were you doing the meat of this planning? Because things were so difficult for so many months last year. Yeah. So we actually were about to board 
a flight really to shoot our first episode in Sierra Leone in March last year. Oh, wow. That's when we all pulled everything back, everything stopped. And then we went back into planning at the end of the summer, hoping that by the fall, there could be a little bit of movement. And so that's where we shot the majority of this starting like October into November, December, 2020. So really not that long ago, you were able to execute quite a bit in a short period. Yeah, so we spent the summer kind of on hold watching, seeing what we could do. And so then for Puerto Rico, you know, Ariana and I met over Zoom and spent a lot of time talking about what she did and worked together. The thing for me about the work that I do and what we also just wanted to make sure this series does is just it's a real collaboration with the women and the communities. It's not something where we're coming in and saying, here's a story we want to tell, or here's what we want you to say, or here's where we want to film. The process is all about us having a conversation and saying to Ariana and the other women, tell us who you are and what's important to you and tell us in your voice and your way. And all we should be, I think, as storytellers is just the ones that amplify that life and that message. So that was a lot of the pre-production really was on my side was the planning with her about her own story and really trying to pull out, you know, things that she might not think is important, like her age, Mm -hmm. which was important to me. (laughs) She's very humble. She comes across as incredibly humble. I don't think she realizes the expanse of what she's achieved. It's so, it's so amazing to see that in, in a young person. Yeah. And so we spent a lot of time just sort of really prepping that. And then Ryan, who did the camera down there as well, spent a lot of time looking at sharing visuals to sort of storyboard ideas of at least just sort of you'll see the thing that I think special about this series too is that it has the Nat Geo gorgeous you know cinematic look to it and also the documentary on the ground real feeling too. And I'm so glad you brought that up because it is very grand in that Nat Geo tradition but it's also very intimate and what you just said earlier about making sure the women were part of the story and you weren't just there documenting them they really do feel like they are part of your team. And I want to talk a little bit about how you structured and sort of plan the look and feel of the show, sort of balancing that grandeur, especially Puerto Rico, which is so beautiful. There's so many shots of where she lives. It's just a gorgeous place. With those beautiful moments indoors, there's that scene where she's with that older woman and she's teaching her how to turn on the filtered water. So there's just this beautiful balance of, I feel like I'm there experiencing that joy with them. So tell me how you worked with your photographers and also the types of cameras that you used as well. I think that comes sort of from, again, this mix of both Ryan and I could creatively, Ryan shot the first episode, which was Brazil, and he shot that all the way back in 2016, which is what sort of gave birth to this whole series. Oh, wow. He had made that, then he kind of sort of back to what we were saying before about he had found that story in 2016 from an Instagram photographer, Sebastian Gilmiranda, of this ballet dancer. And he had gone and shot that and shot that with an eye that his background is some music video and more advertising and a little different than necessary documentary. But he shot it with such a beautiful eye that I think that the blend of that was something that we wanted to make sure that we brought forward to the rest of the series. We wanted to also... And again, this is something that I just think is so important where these narratives and these people's lives that are often so invisible that we are representing them with dignity and beauty and all of the things that, you know, Nat Geo is known for, but also all the things that we tend to give the most important narratives, a look and a feel. And so we wanted to make sure that we shot this in a way that, again, I don't know, that really celebrated and honored and showed the beauty of these women, both in that 
like you said, sort of that big way of the expanse of the locations, but then also the intimate storytelling, which is like you're saying, it's the story they want us to know. Vanessa, I'd love to talk about your background, which I find to be so compelling and kind of rare in its diversity. Your father is Eric Roth, who's the Oscar-winning screenwriter of Forrest Gump and Munich, among many other movies. And your mother, I read, is an archaeologist. She was, yeah. And my dad's producer of Mank, so he's nominated for an Oscar right now, too, as a producer. This man does not <laughs> stop. And he did Star is Born, too. Yes, he did. <laughs> and you yourself have a master's degree in social work with a minor in family law from Columbia. Yeah. So you have all these incredible influences, both academic, creative, artistic. How do you think all of that mingles to create your perspective as a filmmaker? I love that question because I think it's exactly what mingled together to make me have my perspective. (laughs) Because I would imagine that it's what helped to create this show, make it so special. But I want to hear you tell me why. Yeah, I feel like for me growing up, you know, my grandparents, my dad's parents were also always very much about equal rights and human rights and women's rights and workers' rights. My dad as a screenwriter would always, my kids actually laugh at me because this is like sort of the story I always tell. And they're like, we've heard the story. (laughs) It's like being a kid sleeping and then like hearing the sound of his typewriter at night. And I would like wake up and in my, you know, like nightgown go into the living room where he was typing it at the time, you know, smoking too. Not, he doesn't smoke anymore, but like, it'd be like smoke all around. And I'd be like, what are you doing? And he'd say writing and he would read me what he was writing. So I would just, I just grew up in this sort of this storytelling, but also just very real people idea of like dialogue and would hear it. And it was just sort of part of my growing up. And at the same time, my mom who was an archaeologist and she passed away uh, like seven, eight years ago now. Oh, I'm very sorry. Yeah. But she, as an archaeologist, also really taught me all growing up like this connection to the past. She'd bring home things that we would look at and understand about the digs that she was doing. And she'd come to our class and talk about our connection to people from other times. And then the other influence to me was that my parents adopted my sister when I was eight and I'm eight years older than Samantha, my sister. And she was born in Korea and she had a lot of challenges growing up being different than the community that I grew up in. I grew up in a beach community in California. She was, you know, one of very few Asian little girls there. It could be a very clicky environment, I imagine. Yeah. And we're a Jewish family. So that was also different. And then she also had some physical challenges when she was growing up as well. So I think Literally, like, I think I am really just a collection of all of those influences. And and so I think that what I've always wanted my work to be or my mark on the world in some way is to just give voice to really what I think have been invisible people in mainstream media a lot. And I really have wanted to be able to connect, show humanity in a way that gives everybody the dignity that they deserve. And back to what I said before, I think as a storyteller, as a documentary filmmaker, I used to, when I just first started, I thought, oh, as a documentary filmmaker, I can empower people. And I am very embarrassed now that I thought of that word. Really? Why? (laughs) Because I don't think it's my job or my place or my ability to empower anybody else. I think my job and what I'm here to do and what I can do is I can help share that story 
and be like an ally or amplify somebody's thing. But I think the word empower to me now and the way I think about it, it has this sort of connotation of like you going in and like lifting somebody else. Mm, Sort of like a hierarchy in a sense. Yeah. And I just don't think that's correct, or at least that's not the relationships that I've found the most meaningful or even impactful. Like I, I feel like in the films that I've done and the work that I've done, the things again that mean the most to me is when I do feel that there's this true collaboration and I can do my part, but really again, like this series, the stories are all these women, the work they're doing is what's amazing. The film, that's great if it moves somebody or inspires somebody, but the thing is really about the work and it's that process. And that's actually why I I always, after I make films, I'm always like, I'm done. It's too hard. The work's too hard to make the documentaries. <laughs> it's like giving birth, right? You forget how difficult labor was and then you want to do it again, right? Yeah, because then the thing is then like afterwards, I'm like, wait, I know this person and this community and these families that I would never have access to knowing if it wasn't for this job that I have. And my goal is always really the only thing I care about at the end of the day is that they're happy with what I, you know, and my team creates out of what they give us. If they're not happy and feel that their voice was heard or their life was shown in a way that makes them feel represented, then yeah, that's the hard part. But yeah, a long way of saying it back to your question. I think I am like a mix of storyteller, social worker, you know, sort of memory and legacy, all of those things that I think that I was brought up around. I love that. And I love that we see the power of a diversity of that kind of background you know, it's fine to go to film school and it's fine to study the mechanics of filmmaking, but the pathos that you bring is just as important. And you can really see that in the connections that you've made with these women. And I want to ask, these women are all from very different communities, disparate experiences, all have struggled. That's their shared experience. What do you think they all have in common? What is a trait that you have sensed and gleaned as you've made this sort of connective tissue among all of them? I feel like there's this, and I see it even, I see it also in Gall. I see it in Tara, who's one of our EPs who runs Entertainment One that we worked with. I see it in our camera women and our composer, who's a woman as well. I think it's this drive and determination. It's this will that won't be stopped. And I think it's this feeling of kind of doing what you're doing, not by choice, but by something that's pulling you to do it. And you can't help but do it. Yeah. And it's just who you are. I feel like that's who these women are. And I think speaking of Ariana, she was great. We were in an interview the other day. And um, one of the lines she says in her episode is that she says in her culture, she was often told that, you know, if you keep your mouth shut, you're much prettier. Yes. Oh, she says it much better than I do. That was a heartbreaking thing to hear her say out loud. Yeah. yeah. And so she said what, you know, she's like, but what I've learned and what I, you know, believe in the most is that I'm pretty, whether I keep my mouth shut or I talk, <laughs> you know, and she says, and I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to keep taking up space. And I just love it. I love that. And by the way, it's not just her culture. I think a lot of us grew up, whether it was intentional or not, I think that's how a lot of females feel is that it's about the way we look and not about the things that we have to say. And that's why I I love this show because it's all about action, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And finally, I'd love to know, you talk about feeling somewhat disquieted by the word empower, but what do you hope viewers feel when they watch this? What is an emotion that you're hoping to conjure in them? Because I know how I felt, but I want to hear what you think. Yeah, I want to know how you felt too. (laughs) I hope that what people take away from the series is that impact doesn't have to be like this world-changing, gigantic thing that, you know, is going to 
change everybody's life all at once, that change and drive and purpose and doing things that feel good and doing things for other people, that it's something that can start small. It's not something that you have to wait for. Impact comes from places that we don't necessarily expect. And I think that kind of like what you brought up at the beginning is we are all impacted by things all the time, right? All kinds of crisis and living circumstances. Some of us obviously much more than others of us. The thing is, it's about what you do with it that I think matters. And I guess I also just hope on a really like, I don't know if it's sort of cheesy or too simple, but I just kind of hope that when people watch the series, they're just touched and moved by these women and that you feel also like they're not unrelatable, but you can connect like personally, emotionally in some way that there's some emotional core that you can understand and just humanizing each other and find that there's some connection between us. I think, again, maybe that's sort of simple. <laughs> well, that was my word, by the way. I was going to say I felt very connected. That was my experience. <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. Well, thank you so much for your time. And really, congratulations. I can't wait to see you know, what you're able to do and post-COVID, go back to Sierra Leone, go to these incredible locations, because I have a feeling this show will keep you busy for a long time. I hope so. I really hope we get the chance to do that. That would be incredible. And thank you for having this time to talk. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank Gal and Vanessa for joining me today. For more information on Impact with Gal Gadot, please visit natgeotv.com slash FYC. I'm Stacey Wilson-Hunt, and this has been the making of a Natgeo podcast. Thank you so much for listening. The Making of a Natgeo Podcast is a National Geographic production. Executive Producers, Stephanie Montgomery and Chris Alpert. Host, Stacey Wilson-Hunt. Writers and Producers, Dave Beesing, Thomas Green, Jason Jackson, Kevin Horton, and Stacey Wilson-Hunt. Associate Producer, Shanna Blackman. And Production Coordinator, Juliana Parisi. In association with Benstown, McVeigh Media, and Sound That Brands. <laughs>